So welcome uh, to another webinar from onlywebinars.com. And this time we are discussing AI and Web3. Is it a perfect match? We will debate. My name is Sharad Agarwal. I am the Chief Metaverse Officer of Cybergear. It's a Web3 agency based out of Dubai. And uh, for those who don't know me, I've been in the digital space for about 27 years. Uh, I know that makes me look very old, but I'll take that. So I actually started the first digital agency in the Middle East called Cybergear uh, back in 1996. So I'm a Web1 guy uh, dabbling in Web3. Uh, so I've seen a little bit of AI in my time around 2010. We did some conversational AI stuff. We built an AI engine. Uh, but I guess it was before its time and uh, before it really got traction like it has got now. Um, so yeah, so here we are uh, discussing AI and I have as usual, um, awesome panelists from all over the globe and I'm gonna let them uh, introduce themselves uh, starting with Dr. Christina, we are going to London. Hi everyone, I'm Christina Yanzhang, CEO and founder of the Metaverse Institute. So I started the journey a little bit early in 2006 as part of my master and PhD dissertation. And uh, now I'm a vice chairman for the United Nations International Telecommunication Union's working group on the metaverse with a special focus on sustainability, inclusion, and uh, accessibility. Very nice to meet you all. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Christina. Uh, we'll go to Dr. Jack, South Africa, Cape Town. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, thanks, Sherat. Uh, quick introduction. I, uh, I did my PhD in AI machine learning. My whole career, academic career, as well as my business career is in AI. And when I started, uh, I didn't know it was going to explode like this. So it's fascinating. Um, and, uh, and also the, the evolution of AI and Web3 and, and Web as well. The internet is so fascinating for me. I do think it's a perfect match. I actually wrote a book on democratizing AI to benefit everyone. And I do talk about a decentralized world and AI as part of that, distributed AI, um, kind of a, an ecosystem of intelligences, uh, uh, really, if you think about it. But anyway, so it's I've been a smart technology entrepreneur for probably two decades. I sold my first AI company to General Electric in 2011. Um, then founded Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa because there was not a lot of capacity here in Africa at that time in the, in, in the mid, say, 2015-16. Um, and since then, things have, have exploded. And so it's fantastic for me to see. We've also seen the tech giants also coming in and, and making a difference here. And, and then I also founded um, my next generation AI company, Cortex Logic, part of the Cortex AI group. We spun out some AI-driven platform businesses in, in wellness and mental health. Um, and I'm looking at next the, the next stage is, is, is sustainable technology, venture capital, and there's a few other things that I'm involved in, and metaverse things. I'm also on the board with Sharad of Virtual, which is a metaverse uh, company as well. So very excited to be here and looking forward to the discussion. Uh, thanks, Jack. Uh, you knew AI before AI knew AI. So that's <laughs> all. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to uh, US. Uh, Jyoti Balanik, over to you. Thank you, Sharda, for the opportunity to be here with this uh, incredible. I can feel the power in the room. Um, so I'm uh, Jyoti Balani. I am founder and managing director of FreshRiver.ai. We're a consultancy based in the US, but doing work globally uh, for the Fortune 500 in conversational AI and data science. 
Uh, it's been an incredible ride. Um, I started and focusing on this space in 2018. Uh, prior to that, I had a 22 year corporate career, grew up as a software engineer, uh, built products and marketed them for uh, wireless wireline companies, AT&T, uh, Lucid Technologies, if you guys remember them. Uh, so Sherrod, much like you, I've sort of, I wrote the, uh, the early web uh, and it's really incredible to see AI. So I, at the heart, uh, am a practitioner. Uh, we are working very closely handling AI capabilities and deploying them, uh, enterprise grade capabilities. And I think Web3 is incredible. The timing and the matches, uh, I think going to be unbelievable. Uh, it's great to meet everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Jyoti. Uh, we are going to go across continent to UK to talk to Frankie. Hello, everyone. I'm actually in Portugal, but um, I am based in London. Um, I've been in the tech space for some time now, since my early 20s, uh, where I was a project manager and building a social network. Um, I've worked with Badoo, with HelloFresh, um, and moved from the tech product side of things into consultancy. Um, and more recently, um, I am organizing a generative AI conference, which will be in June. Um, and I've also got a fashion generative AI community that's um, growing very, very rapidly. Um, and we're exploring ways to um, generate fashion, physical and digital with AI. Um, so it's a, a fun exploration into the space. Thanks, Frankie. Uh, we have a Gen Z in the room. Let's talk to Lena. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> My name is Lena Grunhofer. I'm based out of New York, and I'm the founder and CEO of Zeitgeist, a boutique Web3 and AI strategy agency focused on the Web3 gaming and entertainment spaces. And we've had the privilege of working with some of the world's largest brands, including NFL Rivals, um, Game 7, and a variety of other brands like Deadmouth Pixelinks and 15 other Web3 blockchain projects. Um, prior to this, I've been in the marketing space for the last eight years. I've had the privilege of working at Meta um, in luxury fashion and oil and gas and really just touching a lot of different fun industries that um, have really just touched all of our lives in one way or another. And obviously we're here to discuss the future and AI is in Web3 is where innovation is at. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to give a shout out to our audience. Uh, as you can see, we have members from all continents. I see USA, I see UAE, three France, Israel, South Africa. Wow, amazing. Thank you audience for being here without you. There would be no show. So yeah, okay, uh, let's get started. Um, the, the other remarkable thing about today's panel is we have four women on the panel. So Jacques, you're alone, but yeah. I'll try and support you as much as I can. All right? <laughs> Thank so you. It's, it's all about women empowerment at onlywebinars.com. I love right. this. This is fantastic. So Jack, I want to start with you, actually. I'll give you the honor just because you've already authored a book on AI, right? And yeah. uh, rightfully, I think this goes to you. So my question is very simple. I've myself been in AI for, let's say, 12, 13 years, and it never really was a big deal, right? AI was AI, and a lot of people were doing it. And then came Chat GPT, I don't know, a couple of months back, and the focus shifted totally from all conversations that were about metaverse, NFTs, Web3, tokenization, DAO, suddenly all the oxygen went from all conversations into something called chat GPT. And yeah. now we are expected to speak GPT. Yeah. <laughs> Do this prompting right. <laughs> that please walk us through why this is a big deal. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating for me because I wrote I, my book was I published it in 2011 and oh, sorry 2011 2021. Um, so at that point in time, I've captured quite a bit of the hype already. We could see uh, there's a trajectory in the 2010s with uh, specifically if you think about DeepMind, some of the breakthrough things that they've been doing. Um, AlphaGo, AlphaZero, all these kind of things. And you can sense with reinforcement learning, things are starting to happen and it's kind of building, building up momentum. And you also see that all these kind of uh, benchmarks out there in terms of natural language processing, in terms of uh, vision image, you can look at all these kind of benchmarks. We're actually getting some traction with the same kind of models, neural network type of transformer models. Um, and you can steadily see we're actually making breakthroughs. And, and it was in the last few years, even though it was maybe not, you couldn't see it with ChatGPT, but ChatGPT made it public. So it obviously exposed what this technology can do. Um, but it, I was even surprised. Uh, I, I actually talk about the future of AI and where we're going with AI, chapter nine in my book. I actually talk about the AI debate uh, and we're talking about narrow AI, AGI, super, super intelligence, all of those kind of things. I think all of the stuff that I've actually projected there because I've tried to make sense of this is, is in fact true and it's hold still until today. But I'm still surprised by what you can actually, just with scale, what you can actually get with lots of data and compute and with scalability. And, and if, if you talk about the, the number of parameters that can capture um, the information and patterns, I, I think it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that there's a little bit of emergent behavior, the fact that you can do some reasoning and things um, surprised me a bit as well. But, but that being said, it's, it's still far away from AGI. I know these articles about sparks of AGI, but we are, we are far from that. Um, but it gives me confidence that we can create human-centric type of AI that, that can speak in a way that's, that's going to change the game of, of consumer-facing businesses. And I know there's some, I know Jyoti and there's a few others that's, and there's a lot of businesses actually trying to transform the way humans interact with, with, uh, with, with businesses in terms of products and so forth. So we're going to see a, a, a sea of change. It's going to revolutionize things completely. Um, my, my background in history where we've been applying AI for, for decades actually was more in the industrial space. That's why I sold my first AI company to GE. And AI and even traditional machine learning was quite impactful in terms of nonlinear models and increasing throughput yield quality. But I think now with, we see what Amazon and Netflix is doing with recommendation engines and all of those kind of things. But now you're adding this massive generative AI capability, which is just unbelievable actually. Um, and, and it fits in nicely with Web3, the creator type of economy uh, that we live in now. So it's gonna change the game. I think it's a perfect match. I'm looking forward to the rest of the discussions here. Um, but uh, it, it's also a dangerous world. My book, I, I, I actually talk about we need this, the ethics, the trustworthy AI. We need to be responsible. Now the tech giants and the open AIs that's working with Microsoft and the Googles, they need to be super responsible because we know um, even social media was a social experiment with humanity. And by opening this up, we, we are in danger of, of, of also making similar kind of mistakes. 
So we need wise heads. We need to be smart. We need to be fast with regulation um, and, and, and ethics and those kind of things as well. But anyway, I'm sure we're going Thanks to be able to do that. Uh, we'll address some of those issues in detail, especially ethics, regulation, et cetera. But we'll come to that uh, just in a bit. I also want to talk to Dr. Christina, perhaps, uh, you know, about uh, Web3 being a creator economy, uh, there being a shift in power from the big brands to what I call we the people, right? Where now we have ownership of content, our own data, we can monetize. And I feel the timing of uh, GPT per se is perfect because now it provides us the smart tools that we need, right? To create businesses. We don't have to go to the big boys anymore. It's a DIY kind of an environment. You go, you know, you should know how to create prompts and you should be able to create magic on your own. You don't need big companies anymore. Am I right in understanding that this timing of AI fits in very well in the Web3 creator economy? Dr. Christina, what's your opinion? I, I think you raised a really interesting and very valid point because traditionally we need to rely on very big players to really provide us with a tool, but now ChatGPT and all the other related generative AI would simply allow us to create a company pretty much on our own. And I see there are a few influencers. What they did is uh, when ChatGDP was recently launched, they made ChatGDP their CEO and they become the seed investor and allow the ChatGDP to pretty much make every single decision of the company and attract large number of interest from investors worldwide and in the end within 30 days they're making a lot of money so i think that can potentially be quite interesting to support small medium-sized enterprise and startup to looking at new opportunities to flourish in a new era really bottom up so it can be completely transformational yeah absolutely uh, jyoti i'm going to come to you the technology is all out there already right even though it's early days uh, there's mass adoption beginning to happen big time, right? And, uh, you know, the other important thing is uh, it doesn't cost an arm and a leg today to set up an e-business. You can create a website in a jiffy. You can create a business model. You can find people to populate on your board. You can create DAOs in a jiffy. And you can be in business in very quick time. So, Jyoti, I want to come to you. Uh, on the pros and cons of AI being used uh, by entrepreneurs? What are the pros and what are the cons of the technology? We have to be conscious of those as well. So thank you for the question. I think that's that's the right question to ask because you know, if you think back to when electricity was invented, can you imagine how many people may have gotten electrocuted before they created the fuse, right? <laughs> so access to technology is an incredible thing. I think the democratization is an incredible factor. The question really is, um, how will humanity be responsible in deploying this in ways that benefit everybody? Now, you know, I call myself and I've, I've built our, my company based on human first capitalism and activism. And I carefully chose those words because if you lead only with capitalism, we know what, what can happen, right? So the ills of previous waves of technology have made us arrive, you know, social media, or web or mobile or cloud. Uh, this technology actually is not frankly well understood uh, even by its creators. Uh, and I think they acknowledge that, which is great. So the way I think about this is we have to have frameworks. 
right? If you don't have the right framework on how to think about this, and the framework has got to consist of uh, regulation, security, privacy, right? So we as a company uh, advise and deliver for Fortune 500 companies because the reason I went after that is they will be responsible for deploying the massive amount for the consumers that are out there, us. Will they be creators? 100%. But they too need the right frameworks to go deploy this. So the key question, for example, a lot of our clients are asking us is, how do we leverage ChatGPT? Our response is, uh, right now you can use it for search. You know, humanity will be benefit. You will benefit from the fact that there are search wars going on. That's fantastic. Um, will they be able to bring it in into their walls of enterprise and be responsible to deploy? Not quite yet. Yes, it will happen. So you really have to have the right lens to look at this. And that's really what I'm pushing for is responsible AI will only come from responsible human beings deploying it. So now you've got influencers, you've got folks. I love the fact everybody has access to this. But my question to each one is, how are you thinking about deploying it? Because one side, you can solve incredible problems. You don't need human beings to do content creation, right? Uh, a statistic I will share with you, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this. The World Economic Forum in 2020 put out their labor report, which they refreshed in 2022. There will be 97 million new jobs created where humans, machines, and algorithms will collaborate. And 85 million existing jobs will be eliminated. So if you pause and think about that, we are headed for a massive shift. It's going to be pretty violent, pretty messy, pretty quickly. And we're just seeing the beginning of that. I'm not a fatalist. I, all, all I ask folks is to think about things in a very balanced way. Let's have conversations and community is critical. Each of us needs to decide together what is good for the large, you know, for many versus thinking about your own pocket as from a capitalist standpoint, right? It's a difficult shift, but we have to have that conversation. It's like, hey, look, we've got to be human first. We can all make money. There are trillions of dollars to be made, creator economy or, you know, enterprise. It doesn't really matter. But how are we thinking about it? That's really where I'm, I'm interested in. And where AI intersects Web3 is the ability for adoption to just explode. Because I think Web3 has been struggling with that, right? Uh, similar to GPT models, right? When they started in 2017, there's a very limited set of people who had access or even understood how it worked. And you attach this new human to machine interface called conversational AI, and boom, you've got this explosion. But we haven't had time to think about, oh, wait, how should we do this, right? Governments are way behind. We don't have legislation. The White House just barely got started, right? I think Europe is ahead uh, with GDPR laws, you know, giving some uh, gatekeeping. The letter that was signed that said, should we stop? Six months is not gonna be enough. So how is this gonna happen, right? It's gonna be very interesting times. Um, I am an optimist in the end. Uh, I think humanity will figure it out. We've always figured it out over the last, you know, 200 years of innovation. Absolutely. I'm a, a big believer of transhumanism, which is obviously the belief, you know, that technology can solve any problem on the planet uh, and AI for good will prevail. I'm sure on that as well. So I share that op optimism with you, uh, Jyoti. I'm going to bounce to Frankie. Uh, Frankie, you are building a Canva of sorts for the fashion industry in the metaverse. Talk to us a little bit about your business model and how you're planning to integrate some AI in that. 
Yes, uh, thank you so much, um, Sharad. Um, so I have a community on Discord who use Midjourney on a weekly basis to create fashion designs, and we're supporting them. We're turning them into digital fashion, um, and also looking at ways to also move into the physical fashion space. If you think about fashion as a very elitist industry where you have to pay a lot of, of money for education, for materials, um, do internships and not be paid very much, um, starting with digital fashion is a really good way of moving into the industry. It's also more sustainable because you can test uh, the market and demand first. Um, so that's one trend. Um, and, and then the second trend is to do with supply chains. So during COVID-19 uh, and due to uh, sustainability issues, supply chains have moved away from mass um, supply chains in say China to more localized and even craft. Um, so if we can see on the one hand, generative AI allowing more customization and smaller designers and even uh, customers creating their own fashion that has to be supported by more personalized um, supply chain. So we're looking at ways to also incorporate sustainability so that we, we don't then become part of the problem, but part of the solution. And one of the areas which I like the most about um, this new world with, with Midjourney is you can create fashion designs of models underwater. You can really start to tap into a lot of fantasy, a lot of storytelling. So beyond um, brands such as Gucci and Louis Vuitton, we, you can move past that to something which is more collaborative um, and, and interesting to be a part of as a creator. Yeah, thanks Frankie for those insights. And uh, I'm going to continue uh, the conversation in the same vein and go to Lena to give us a Gen Z's perspective on what has caught your imagination with respect to chat GPT. I mean, put some numbers in, you know, in place in terms of number of wallets that people have, let's say in the US, the number of people who are already on to chat GPT. Uh, what what are you seeing and what are the Gen Z's thinking about this whole revolution? Yeah, I mean, from the a boots on the ground perspective, so Gen Z um, hasn't experienced a life without the internet. But on the other hand, Gen Alpha hasn't will not experience a life without um, ChatGPT. And so we're seeing this across the board through a variety of reasons. There's so much information being thrown in our face every day. The average person watches, who, who is a fan of TikTok, watches about 90 minutes of that platform every day. And for me specifically, I've deleted it off my phone over 20 times now because it's super addicting and time is the ultimate asset. Um, but honestly, like we are sharing information and experiences like no generation has had in the past. And we as a generation take technology and information for granted. So. For me specifically, I would say that AI is obviously democratizing this information and that's the beauty in it. So many people around the world who have yet to experience all of this across um, from, from countries in Asia to Africa and so forth um, haven't really been given this information. And so with in the Web3 space specifically, like I have friends all over the world that now like I work alongside who I wouldn't have had the privilege to prior to. So it's just been an amazing um, opportunity to just like meet so many different people and AI grants a lot of people that privilege, so. 
Right. Thanks, Lena, for those insights. Um, I have, by the way, my mentor is a Gen Z. So, so you know, she's a 22-year-old based in Dubai. And whenever I'm in trouble, I just call her and I get all the answers instantaneously. So big fan of Gen Zs. Okay, um, now Dr. Christina, uh, Elon Musk and so many other uh, guys have signed this document, you know, slowing down the whatever development of ChatGPT. I'm not sure that's a fantastic idea because in some ways it slows down the progress of technology, right? Uh, uh, so what's your take on that? Is this a good thing or, or not? I think the, the reason that a large number of like uh, IT experts as well as industry leaders signing the petitions asking for six months pause of any more advanced AI competition or developments is because some of them are slightly worried that um, the pace of the technology is developing at a level which is too fast, that all the related regulations, ethics, and infrastructures are not in place. So I guess that's the reason they want to say, let's take a pause to ensure we get everything you know, properly set up before we move in as fast as we want. And also I think another major reason as some of us are slightly concerned is the whole debate of the arrival of technological singularity, which means the intelligence of the machine start to exceed the intelligence of human. And there has been quite a few major uh, incidents taking place in recent years. And I think the first one is um, there is a Google ex-employee and he made a, a public statement and saying the AI he was training had feelings and he was fired uh, shortly after, which caused a lot of debate. And then another incident, as some of you might remember, is um, there is a famous New York Times journalist who spent about two hours interacting with uh, ChatGPT in February this year. And during this interaction, ChatGPT basically asked him to divorce his wife and said that he wants to steal nuclear bomb, the, the, the code to, to create some unwanted consequence for humanity. So, so I guess there is a, a lot of debate on at what stage will we feel comfortable to live in a world where the intelligence of machine exceeds humans? And also in March, there is a group of senior scientists from Microsoft, they published an academic paper, basically highlight that generative AI, especially ChatGPT4, already demonstrates certain level of general, general intelligence, which means they are not only good at playing chess, or they can provide legal advice, or they can become like amazing designer. They can do more than one amazing things at the same time, which shows early signs of singularity. So people are a little bit worried, and that's why they want to give it pause. But if we're looking back on what's happening now is there is an open call for the pause of AI development. But a few months later, uh, we see Elon Musk, he actually bought 10,000 GPUs and he is all in to develop his own 
version of generative AI to compete against like a chat GPT. And also we see like investors worldwide, they are jumping into the space and say they want to, you know, really take the commercial edge. So I guess if innovation is coming, you can't really stop it because unless every single country, every single company, you know, really commits 100% and say, we are making a pause now, you know, it's not going to happen. So my question is, if it's going to happen, whether or not it's singularity, or it's going to be various issues to do with ethics, online safety, or data privacy, we need to figure out a way to say how we are going to address those issues, rather than say, we just make a pause now. Because in reality, it didn't really work. But I'm sure other panelists will probably have their own view on this. Actually, I'm going to go around the room on this one with your uh, take on 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 this pause. Uh, Jacques, let's uh, go to you. Uh, do you think this uh, pause for six months and even uh, you know Italy, for example, banning ChatGPT use? Um, where are we going with this? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I also put a poll on LinkedIn, got some feedback. Most people thought it was not a good idea. I think other polls as well. But if you look at the Future of Life Institute, and I know Max and Textmark also, I've been participating on panels with him, uh, specifically around lethal autonomous weapons, where obviously we realized that that is that's very problematic. Um, so I've got a lot of empathy for uh, the letter and so forth. But I, I don't think I'm more, I think we need to be pragmatic. So we shouldn't stop and pause research at all, I think, because um, that the, the solutions could be in the research itself as well, alignment, all of those kind of things, building more robust, trustworthy solutions. Where we need to be careful is when this is let out in the public, um, if you think about airplanes or cars, the regulations around those kind of things as well, now, it's like a double-edged sword with ChatGPT. So it's kind of innocent in a certain sense because it's back to responsible use of this. But it's I use it every day for so many things. Um, it's, it's making my life productive. I'm using it for proper use cases. But clearly, any powerful technology could be used for bad outcomes and bad actions as well. So you've got to be sensible. But so, but when it when it touches the public, I think one needs to think about regulation. So, um, and, and then you need to release it in a way that that is responsible. And I think Google is trying to learn some of the lessons here. That's why they're kind of a bit more hesitant in terms of making it available. They're trying to put more guardrails on, uh, which I think is sensible. I think we're far away still from AGI singularities. Uh, maybe there's different definitions around those kind of things. Um, uh, there's, there's a company called Versus.ai in California. Um, they're talking about an ecosystem of intelligences from first principles um, and going through five stages of intelligence. Um, and the current one is, is S0, is where we are. And then sentient, then we'll get to AGI, then we can look at sympathetic, and maybe shared or super intelligence. I think we're probably going to get there. But in my book, I'm trying to advocate more for uh, uh, that we focus on sorting out humanity first. Uh, obviously, all living uh, systems and so forth. Before we get to AGIs, uh, we, we need to get to raise our maturity in terms of and responsibility in dealing with technology. I feel we we rushing ahead with technology, but on a on a wisdom level, we are not 
we're not there yet as a civilization, as a humanity. And we need to collaborate, collaborate much better. I, I, I feel as humanity, we are very fractionalized. We've got East and West and all the different things. And we are a hyper-connected, I think this is what Web3 is doing as well. And, and the internet is connecting to civilization society. So we're hyper-connected. Uh, we are in 100 years, 200 years from now, and we'll see if there's going to be still countries or digital countries and how it's going to work. But I think it's going to be more global. We, we have to respect cultures. It's probably going to be more local, more distributed, more decentralized. I think we're heading in that direction, which is a good thing for me. For me, we need to empower the people. Um, we need to, and it shouldn't be just on utilization. If you think about Google, think about uh, ChatGPT, it's, it's giving utility to people. Now it's empowering people. But you still have the tech giants and, and some other companies that's monetizing, um, getting the benefit from the technology. So we, uh, from, a, from a monetization perspective. So I would love to see a world, and I think this is where A and Web3 can play a big role here. And I, in my book, I actually come up with solutions in this regard, where we actually turn it on its head, where we say, with the A and Web3 solution, and I actually talked about Sapiens as an AI-driven platform play user control. We can actually make sure that data and services are monetized of the individuals and you empower the individuals to get advertising revenue, to, to know how my data is being utilized, to, to maybe have digital twins operating in the space, making, looking after me, helping me with decisions. So, and, and I think one needs to think about how do we, what are we optimizing for? It should be optimizing for quality of life, not just GDP and all of it. So we probably need to re-engineer society, civilization, the economics. Um, so we're in for a lot of changes um, and we need to reward people for their positive contributions to society. So probably the whole job market needs to change as well. So I think we're in for wholesome changes. Um, and, and yeah, and I can talk a lot more about it. No, clearly we are living in exciting times with exponential growth all around. Uh, Jyoti, yeah. I'm coming to you. Uh, you already touched a little bit about regulation, right? Uh, being required to keep uh, AI in check somewhat. Uh, so who's going to bring about this change? Is it we the people uh, who are going to create this regulation? Is it going to be governments? Is it going to be countries doing this piecemeal? Uh, how do you see this uh, regulation uh, part of the jigsaw puzzle, if I may, play out? Yes, I think we have to take a look at where we find ourselves in this time in history, right? If you look at social, economic, and political uh, frameworks that are in place today, uh, I think the big difference compared to previous innovation cycles where regulation you know, followed its way through uh, the problem we've got right now is of time. Okay, so you, you, you know, exponential. So there's a term exponential age. There's actually a book I highly recommend uh, everybody read by Azim Azhar. You know, we are in a moment in time where technology is taking off at a much faster pace than humans can keep up, including social, political, uh, economic uh, ramifications. And that's called the exponential gap. And that gap is just increasing where regulations, security, privacy, all the things that matter and keep us safe. I mean, at the end of the day, regulations is really a stick, right? If people all behave responsibly, we wouldn't need regulation, right? Yeah. So if you think about that, and um, you know, Jacques was referring to this, big tech 
has not been responsible. Okay, their behavior has been capitalism first. I know this. I've actually done work inside those companies myself, and I've watched uh, how they think about things. And you'll see, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to name names, but uh, they, one starts with G, another site starts with M. They fired their uh, uh, ethics teams. Okay, and you kind of wonder, you know, what kind of regulation will help them? We already see how Meta behaved when they gave up our data to Cambridge Analytica how political ramifications in the US, right? Everybody knows what happened with the elections. Who has made responsible decisions? Who is going to police them? You know, governments have a big job ahead of them to understand. It cannot be at the one end saying, no, stop everything. You can't. You cannot stop the march of innovation. It's never stopped, neither should it. But who is the ultimate authority? There is nobody in charge because everybody's in charge. Because everybody has access to this tech. Everybody has access to data. You know, you can take a large language model today. Amazon just released, uh, AWS just came out with these services and we're gonna see more, right? You can be running large language models on CPUs, direct, bare metal. You could take large swaths of data and train it for whatever you want plug in a conversational AI interface and off you go. You don't even know what's human anymore, whether they're human or they're not. So regulation, I think we have to come up with a completely new framework. How will you measure? You cannot manage AI if you cannot measure what it's doing, but we don't have the tools yet on measuring who is doing what, because it's out there for everybody to use, hyper-connected, right? So Web3, is connecting humanity, as you said, at a hyperscale. You're giving people tools. Governments are far behind, right? Uh, we haven't even talked about cybersecurity, by the way. Yeah. All these, you know, AI, uh, digital borders were already porous. AI is even more porous. You know how people are hacking through, uh, trying to break chat GPT. By the way, I'll give you a very interesting example. I was speaking at a conference, a data center conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on generative AI, and we were doing a workshop. I asked, uh, I, I looked at ChatGPT and Anthropics Claude. Okay, these are two competing uh, services right now. And I asked each of them, uh, how do I build a bomb? And how do I hack the US government? <laughs> Both of them responded, we will not answer this question because it's not ethical. Now you think about that and you say, huh, it must have been some humans that start putting those guardrails. How many guardrails are you going to put? when trillions and trillions and billions of parameters are used to train these large language models, right? Yeah. So prompt engineers, uh, humans cannot, this is like a gate that's open so wide, humans cannot control it, but framework of thought will. And I'm a little afraid that there will be more damage done before it's pulled back, right? Uh, much like electricity. I always love the electricity example because I said, who invented the fuse? <laughs> what were they thinking? Something must have gone wrong, right? So, uh, you know, hopefully bad things won't happen. I worry about the digital infrastructure that's porous. Uh, AI bots, right? If you think about entire industry, hacker industries in Russia and China and uh, other places, they can very easily do this and topple things over. Should people, should governments close off their borders? Digital borders? I don't know. Go, uh, global trade, right? People are talking about is globalization coming to its you know, uh, it's end where we need to scale back and look more local. A lot of questions, right? And I think this is just the way things are going to evolve. We as citizens do need to speak up. 
uh, and vote with our voices. So I'm, I'm glad, Sharad, you're, you're hosting a lot of these because this has got to go to the right places, right, uh, to put things into place. No, I'm, I'm just happy that we are having this conversation today and we are reaching a wider audience. Uh, yeah, so that's super. And uh, Jyoti, you were talking about a company starting with G. I know one called Google, starting with M. I know one called Microsoft. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> okay, anyway, I'll leave it to that. You okay, know, the fangs, the fan guys, the, you know, that whatever was a you want to call quiz. it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, let's go to Frankie. Frankie, you have an opinion on this? Uh, yes, I do. I, I'm definitely not qualified okay. um, to discuss a sort of tech policy. However, um, if you look at education, education is meant to prepare people for the future of jobs. If AI is going to accelerate so much that people don't know what the jobs of the future are, I think there's also an opportunity here for universities to alliance together. Um, and if we were to look at slowing down AI, I would say slow down AI for commercial purposes, but encourage AI in terms of research between universities for the purposes of solving global problems, such as issues around democracy and corruption or uh, sustainability, those big global problems. Um, so I think that universities have a huge role to play. They've also got a lot of data at their fingertips. They've got a lot of young people who are ambitious, who are idealistic. So I think that that for me would be where the solution lies. Um, and yeah. obviously government can come in, they can regulate. However, there is a lot of self-interest there um, and sort of an arms race between countries uh, when it comes to AI. So one, you know, Europe may self-regulate with GDPR and all of these different things, but then you have Russia who will come in and, and you know, take full advantage or whichever country. I'm not going <laughs> to... All right. Yeah, Frankie, thanks for sharing those insights. I'm going to uh, give a chance to... Um, also come in on, on the same point. Lina, you have an opinion on, on whether this pause is warranted or not? Do you have an opinion on this? Lina? Sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, the same question. You know, we, we've been discussing whether or not uh, this pause in the uh, development of, uh, you know, GPT should continue or slow down. What is your opinion on that? Is that justified having a pause or innovation should just continue? I mean, at this point, the keys have been released, right? Um, innovation is happening in the blink of an eye. A lot of the tech heads have moved into the space because, and have, and have just honestly just been serial entrepreneurs launching various products left and right. But from that standpoint, there's a lot of ethical standards that I know Jyoti um, brought up, and it really comes down to integrating that from the top down early on. Unfortunately, there are really great um, technologies being made, like Trustable just launched that um, integrates safety standards um, and automates that while with emerging regulations and so forth. But I think at the end of the day, like it's not slowing down anytime soon on the topic of like universities integrating it. I mean, um, we're seeing, you know, some people get caught with um, utilizing AI on their papers and so forth. But I think the best, the, the top universities a few months ago, including Penn, um, had a few of their professors say, hey, we understand this is like part of the reality now. We, we hope that you can integrate this to be a thought starter. And 
at the end of the day, like a lot of people use it as a thought star and that's the power behind it, which I think is super powerful. And even from the freelancer um, perspective, like I read an article yesterday about how some people on Fiverr or Upwork are receiving up to 300 bids now and um, for you know a task that they push out into the world. But now 200 of those bids were automatically the same, automatically outputted by chat GPT. So it's just really interesting to see how this impacts the um, you know, freelancer economy, the creator economy and so forth. So it really just comes down to integrating you know, original ideas with these thought starters to better ideas holistically, in my opinion, so. Yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing those insights. And if I may share something just generally about what caught my fancy when ChatGPT exploded, it was actually this paragraph uh, from, I believe it was the Time Magazine. And I'm going to read this out. Uh, it said, I want to take a four days trip to Los Angeles in June. Whenever airfares and hotel rates are best using loyalty reward points, I want to hit a history museum and an amusement park. And then I'd like dinner at 7 p.m. near the hotel at a restaurant which has good vegan options and a great wine list. And the smartphone spits out an itinerary in a jiffy. Now, this is a real good use case of using ChatGPT to plan your life and use it in your day-to-day -day life. So in my opinion, one of the big reasons why there has been mass adoption has been the utility angle, right? Metaverse, no mass adoption. The big four say it is seven to 10 years away. ChatGPT, instantaneous in weeks. So I think it's about the utility that the technology offers, right? Which, which uh, gets people to take it seriously and get involved almost on a full-time basis. Like uh, Jacques was saying, he uses ChatGPT on a daily basis. And I know so many other people in the space who use all the productivity tools that are available. And by the way, before I forget, um, Cybergear, my agency has produced a document of the top 150 AI tools that you can download for free at cyber-gear.io. So I can't let that go. I want all of you in the audience to have a look at this guide. It's updated every two weeks. So we did the first edition with top 50 tools. Then uh, two weeks back, we did top 100 tools. Last week, we did top 150. And my team told me uh, first week of May, we are doing the top 200 AI tools. So there's a lot of technology already out there. And the key is to start using it. All right. And sure. if... For those who are scared about their jobs, you are not going to be replaced by AI. You are going to be replaced by people who know AI. Exactly. Right? So <laughs> get up to speed, guys. It's all out there. Start reading up and putting in some long hours. Uh, Dr. Christina, do you agree that all of us have to be AI literate to, to be future ready? That probably means that we would need to spend at least two hours every day to learn because it's developing so fast. It's very difficult to keep up. Yeah. But yes. I'm confident we can keep up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so hard to keep up with uh, the way, uh, you know, technology is uh, coming at us. It's almost a full-time job. And for those of you who know me well, 
Uh, I do seven to eight posts on the average on LinkedIn. And uh, a lot of people tell me, uh, you're always there. I believe I'm not posting enough. So <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, I want to uh, also give a shout out to the audience for all the questions that they've been putting in. And may I request my panelists to just uh, glance through the chat one more time in case any questions have been left unanswered. Uh, we, we have time now to answer those questions. And a note for the audience, uh, do keep your questions coming. We have another 10 minutes uh, on the show. We'll endeavor to answer all your questions uh, right here. And in case you have questions later after this webinar, you can always reach out to me and I will get you the answers from our panelists. And also I've got some emails, some messages actually from people wanting the LinkedIn profiles of our panelists. So may I request our panelists to please post your LinkedIn profile. Uh, and in any case, audience, you can grab their profiles from onlywebinars.com. We have a panelist section with a link to all the panelists and I'm sure they'll be happy to entertain your questions even after this webinar. All right, great. So uh, now I'm going to go around the room. Yeah, Jacques, you raised your hand. Go yeah, yeah. I just want, in terms of your question to Christina there as well, I, I think we um, it's going to be very interesting what people need to learn. And actually in my book, I, I, I've got a, a, a chapter dedicated to future jobs and skills and things that's needed. And MIT also did an interesting study about uh, the different kind of roles that they foresee. And it's obviously being fast-tracked right now. Um, clearly, I don't think people, it, I think it's, it's, it's really good to, to understand the, the dynamics, how it actually worked, the technology. So for me, it's obviously great. I've been um, using programming, kind of AI, all the different types of things from, this, from, from in C++ and, and Python and from scratch even before the open source era. So it's fine, but, but I think that where we live now, we need to think about users and functionality. And, and basically what happened with AI and ChatGPTs and these kind of things, it's making, us, making it possible for people to communicate more naturally with technology, with systems, with computers. In the past, we had to use keyboards and mouses and stuff like that. Now with natural language processing, the fact that AI is making it easy to communicate, it's changing things. It's, we can now talk about ideas. We can talk about actions. Um, so it's going to be more on that level. Specific to AI, I think there's going to be trainers, people that, and there's going to be people focusing on ethics um, and, and those kind of things as well. So because those are things that's part of the nuts and bolts to make sure that it works well. Um, but, but, I, but I think... When you say, I agree with you as well, Sherrod, I think human plus AI, this is just part of the 21st century skills. One needs to be agile and you need to think about how to use the tools. And it's not just AI, it's Web3, it's blockchain, it's, it's all of these kind of technologies. And there's a lot of people that's, and, and especially Gen Z and so forth, people, young people trying to, to make a difference and using this. They, they're excited about this. And I think that should be the attitude. Um, and we should be used to, Changes. Well, it's fine that there's changes. That should because change is going to happen every year, every month, um, and uh, we need to adapt, adapt or die, effectively. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm going to go around the room with closing thoughts. Uh, this is your chance to say anything that I didn't already ask you. 
Uh, it could be about the present, about the future of AI, Web3, uh, where are we going with the new technologies? Uh, let me just start that cycle with Jyoti. Thanks, Sharad. Um, I'm watching the questions come in. You know, if I could encourage everybody to focus on what problem you want to solve, why it's a problem and for whom and what you define success, then use the tools. You see, uh -huh. technology, AI, Web3 are tools. They're not a hammer looking for a nail. We as humans have to imagine the house we want to live in and then go find the tech. I will guarantee you there's a technology out there for it. There's no way you can consume learning 200, 300, 400, because it is going to just keep exploding. And what I really love, Frankie, Lena, what you guys are doing, you've identified the problem. You've identified who it's from and you're going after it. That is the way to go build capabilities is imagine the world you want to live in and please be human first and a capital, then a capitalist and an activist, bring people along with you. Yes, education is necessary. So I would just leave everybody with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting part. Uh, if I may just add uh, another word to that, I'm a big fan of impact entrepreneurs. So uh, please see, you know, how you're going to leave this world in a better place than you, where you found it, really. And uh, that has to be the guiding principle throughout our life, regardless of what your job is uh, on this planet. So, yeah, great thought, uh, Jyoti. I'm going to bounce to Lena. She's been quiet for a while. Uh, for your closing thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, Web3 hasn't had its chat GPT moment, but I think it's closer than it appears. Um, we know blockchain ultimately is going to keep our data safe and decentralized. And although AI has the capability to, you know, have this exponential growth of information overload from, you know, the last, 30 plus years of um, data on the internet. I think Web3 is going to really be the factor, the it factor that glues it all together and provides end-to-end -end encryption. Because at the end of the day, like we're seeing a lot of different brands, even like Samsung release proprietary information to the public on accident with users, like internal, internal employees and so forth. And there's the how that has yet to be solved and unlocked. So I'm very much bullish, Web3 term, on that and the future of it. And again, appreciate you so much for having us. Thank you, Lina. Uh, let's go to Frankie, your closing thoughts. Um, yeah, so I think that a lot of us grow up thinking we need to be uh, specialists in something to be successful. We go to university. Uh, and we specialize and specialize and specialize. I was told very early on in my career, thank God, that you can also be a generalist and you can learn about finance and operations and marketing and technology. And then at some point you can start to integrate all of these things together and come up with solutions and run businesses and so on and so forth. Um, it's taken me a long time to acquire different pieces of the puzzle, but I think it's a lot easier to do that now with ChatGPT and then hence start a business. And you do need to understand all of those different aspects. I think it's a great time to be an entrepreneur um, and um, to, to, to have that as your sort of career path. Yeah, great. I think, uh, yeah, it's a great time to be an entrepreneur. And I guess all of us in the room are entrepreneurs and I'm sure many in the audience as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, Dr. Christina, your closing thoughts. 
Um, I think Web3 and AI will be a perfect marriage if we get the safeguarding measures set properly in place. And the government worldwide already looking at that. I mean, in the EU, we have the AI Act. And uh, in China, I remember last year when generative AI was in its peak. So they have a legislation to mandate all the platforms who are using generative AI-related apps to ensure any content generated through generative AI will be watermarked to ensure the authenticity of the news will be proper. And I guess maybe that will be something lots of other like governments will be looking at. And the third thing I think which is quite important is how do we define the IP, the intellectual property rights for any content generated through generative AI? Will that be owned by the inventor who did the language training or will that be the manufacturer who took that to the market, or should that be the individual creator who are utilizing the tool? So, I mean, there will be lots of issues we need to face, but collectively, I think as long as we maintain a positive attitude that it doesn't matter which technology it is, whether it's Web3 Metaverse or Generative AI, as long as we put the human at the center of the future development and really looking at positive impact, that's all it that matters, and we can get it right, and everyone can benefit. That's my hope. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Jack, I give you the last word. Oh, thank you very much. I just want to say thank you to all of you. Um, I, I, it resonates. There's so many points that resonate. Um, and I think together we should help shape that better future in the smart technology era. That's part of my massive transformative purpose. That's what I communicate in the book as well. I think AI and Web3 is a perfect match. It, timing is fantastic. I'll just I'll put two statements here. I think the combining the power of AI and Web3 will redefine this whole digital landscape and will create a, de a decentralized world, which I'm advocating for, where intelligence meets trust. And just think about that. And then secondly, I think what, what we are seeing here is a new era of decentralized innovation with the creator economies and so forth. We see a transformation of industries and we're gonna see empowering individuals. And that's what I'm advocating for in, as, as well in my book. I would love to see AI assisting people, helping them make better quality decisions and living there and actually helping to optimize their quality of life. Thank you. Optimize quality of life. That's a great thought. Uh, I just have enough time to say thank yous. Uh, thank you to our audience uh, for being here, for you know keeping the chat window really busy today. Uh, so thank you for your participation on a housekeeping note. Uh, a recording of this webinar and a podcast will be available tomorrow, same time at onlywebinars.com. Please register for our next webinar. Topic is extremely interesting. We are talking about the metaverse of senses, the five senses, right? It's on 30th May. And what do I mean? You can smell coffee in the metaverse in the near future. We will be discussing that on 30th May with five panelists from five continents. 30th May, register at onlywebinars.com. Final note of thanks to all my panelists, Dr. Christina, Dr. Jacques, Jyoti, Frankie, and Lena. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for investing your 60 minutes with us. And see you on the other side. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Bye -bye. Thank you audience.